Welcome to the Catholic Gentleman Podcast, where we discuss what it means to be a man who lives with virtue and how to actually grow in holiness while living in today's world. We live in a world striving for success, for importance, to be someone to others, but none of it is guaranteed, and their striving is in vain. Yet there is one way to guaranteed success, one act that men can take so that Satan can never touch him without God's will, and we get to go into this today. Our guest, Gabriel Castillo discusses how he went from a sinner trained in the ways of an MTV secular lifestyle, even mocking Catholicism, to a man transformed by Christ and actually seeing miracles work before his very eyes. There is only one way to experience this in your own life, one way to bring clarity to each day, and one way for guaranteed success. Stay with us. everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are so blessed that you have decided to join us. We're also incredibly blessed to be uh, met with uh, a man on fire for Our Lady, Gabe Castillo. We're going to talk about him in just a second. But before we get there, we've launched The Catholic Gentleman Plus. If you aren't aware of it, we are now in its uh, fourth month. And the guest expert for this month is Gabe Castillo. His guest expert talk is coming out actually the same week as this podcast. We're so blessed for all that he has to share with us about men. So we're talking about Our Lady this month. Next month, we're talking about a rule of life. Encourage you to head over to CatholicGentlemanPlus.com. Take a look at that. We uh, go into far more depth uh, on the teachings of the faith. We have guest experts. We have awesome uh, devotionals that come out every month, reflections, introduction to the devout life, St. Peter Julian Mard on the Eucharist, all of these incredible things uh, just packed full over there at Catholic Gentleman Plus. So we encourage you to head over there and check that out. But without any more of that, I am happy to invite and to talk about Gabriel Castillo here. He is a husband and a father of four children. He is currently serving as the Director of Youth Ministry there at St. Teresa's in Houston. Gabriel is best known for his online work, though, and I would say best known for his passion and love for Our Lady. Um, he is on fire, and every time I get to talk to him, every time I get to listen to him, I want to pray more rosaries. I want to do more and um and I get to do more, you know? It, it's it's really just this excitement there. Not that I have to do it. It's something that I get to do and it's just a blessing. And so he is a Catholic videographer and lay evangelist as I've just already mentioned. He's the founder of True Faith TV. We're going to talk more about that um, uh, during this episode. He also is the host of Children of Mary podcast. And among all of his different documentaries and presentations and video collections that have amassed over 17 million views online, he has done things such as Lessons of Lords, uh, The Power of the Rosary, Testimonies of the Rosary, How You Can Become a Saint, Our Lady of Guadalupe, and just many, many more. So uh, Gabriel Castillo, it's, it's such a blessing to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Doing well, John. I want to reiterate what you said earlier. Go check out the Catholic Gentleman Plus. John and I had, honestly, my assistant asked, how did it go? I said, it was one of the best conversations on the Virgin Mary ever recorded in the history of the Catholic Church. So you need to go check it out. Catholic Gentleman Plus, try it. If you're like, well, maybe try it. So I want to encourage you, John, you're doing wonderful work. 
Sam, I've never met you officially, but I'm very happy to meet you. I've been following you for a long time as well. So I'm honored to be here, guys. Yeah, what a blessing. So thank you so much, Gabe. And so you weren't always in love with Our Lady, right? There no, was a beginning. No. And I want to start there. I want our listeners to hear a little bit more about you before we start yes. talking about why they should be in love with Our Lady, because yes. your testimony, your witness uh, does carry a lot of value with it. So... Yeah, so I really, looking back, I can see the hand of Mary protecting me in a lot of ways, but really I was in involved in bad things. So I'm an only child from a single parent. And so my mom did the best that she could, but we had no religion. She was Catholic kind of, I guess. Um, she taught me only the St. Jude prayer. She's Hispanic. I'm Hispanic, despite my beautiful white skin. Um, so I had a devotion to St. Jude. That was the only prayer I knew growing up. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I knew that there was St. Jude. That's it. Sometimes we'd go to mass on Christmas and Easter. I was morally kind of okay because I wanted to be good. Like I wanted to do good in school. So I had good grades, but as far as like, what was the meaning and purpose of life? I was looking to anybody to explain that to me um, because I had no clue what the purpose of my life was. And so friends would say having sex, lots of girlfriends, um, partying. I was poor, so I didn't do much partying because I couldn't afford it. But my heart, my mind was 100% whatever cable television told me what was important. And so my morality was formed by MTV. And I had a couple of Catholic friends, but they were you know, a little bit worse than useless because they were living the same sinful lifestyle that I was, even though they were receiving their sacraments and talking about going to youth group. So I was like, well, church isn't the, isn't the answer. And thanks be to God, I had good grades in high school. And so I applied to, you know, Rice University, University of Houston, University of St. Thomas, just like local universities. And thanks be to God, the first school that responded to me and actually gave me a scholarship was the University of St. Thomas, which was a Catholic university. And I went there mocking the idea that I had to take philosophy and courses like ethics and all these things. I was like, I was mocking them to my mom. And those were the courses that opened my mind to the Catholic faith because I was beginning to see, wait a second, I messed up. Like I knew I was bad. Like I, I had trouble, you know, staying out of, I didn't know it was sin, but I had trouble being good. I was constantly fighting with my mom, causing her all sorts of heartache. And I didn't want to hurt her, but something was wrong with me and I couldn't figure out why. And the public school system had taught me like clean slate, tabula rasa, like philosophy. So I was like, I don't think that I'm a clean slate because there's something severely wrong with me. Mm. And so when they were teaching us about concupiscence, about disordered inclinations, about concupiscence of the eyes and of the flesh and like basic philosophy of the meaning and purpose of life, I was like, this really makes sense. And so I was intellectually turned on and super attracted to Catholicism, except one, I had never met Jesus Christ still, even though I liked the idea, the philosophy, the history, the intellectual uh, power behind Catholicism. And two, I was addicted to sin. Um, fortunately, I got in with some of the bad crowd at the university, but fortunately that bad crowd was also receiving their sacraments. They were going to make their confirmation. And so I said, I'm hardly Catholic. These guys are making their con confirmation as hardly Catholic. 
I also would like to do whatever these guys are doing. And so I went on a confirmation retreat and I had an extraordinary experience in adoration. I didn't know what adoration was. I didn't know what the church taught about the Eucharist, but I had a philosophy professor who was there and he said, we're going to go do a holy hour. And I said, what's a holy hour? So you're going to look at Jesus. I was like, what do you mean? I'm going to look at Jesus, like a picture of Jesus. And he's like, no, in the Eucharist. I was like, what's that? It's like that little white circle. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys think that's Jesus? And he's like, yeah, we, not you guys, you're in this program to be, you know, make your confirmation. You believe that. I was like, so what do I do during this holy hour? He's like, just look at the circle and just repeat the name Jesus over and over again. I said, for how long? He said, for an hour. I was like, an hour? I was like, oh, this is insanity. So I went to the chapel with them and I knelt down and I looked at the Eucharist and I just stared at it. And like an idiot, I was just staring at the Eucharist going, Jesus, 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 for about 15 minutes. Midway to about that 15 minute mark, I began to hear something inside my head saying, stop talking, like be quiet. And I was like, oh, great. I'm hearing things. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I can only, the, the only analogy that I have is it's as, as if the finger of God put his finger into my soul. And if my heart was made out of ice, like the finger of God went straight into my heart, melted it. And I just started weeping and weeping and weeping. And this was before the movie, The Passion of the Christ came out. So I did not have any mental images of the passion in my brain because I had not meditated upon it. And I began to see images of the passion. And I felt like God said in the depth of my soul, only one thing, I love you. And I just was crying for about an hour after that, even after adoration had ended. The, some of the friends who had gone with me were like, are you okay? What's wrong with you? I was like, that's really Jesus. Jesus is really in that circle. And I, just, I was like, we have to change our lives. We have to be different. And so that was like the first real moment of grace that I had in my life. But so I began to live a very Eucharistic life. I would go to the chapel every single day. I would do my homework in front of the Blessed Sacrament every single day. But I never quit sinning. I was just like still doing all of the same bad stuff. I was just like the worst sinner who at the same time would go and spend his free time in the chapel. I would receive Holy Communion unworthily. I volunteered to be a Eucharistic minister. I was a scandal to so many people because they'd be like, what is that guy doing giving out Holy Communion? That guy is horrible. And I was like, hey, man. So one summer, not one summer, I'm sorry, one Lent, the religious sister was our campus minister, great woman, Sister Claire Hunter, saved my soul. One, she convinced me to go to confession. But two, I was like, what should I give up for Lent this year? And she's like, how about sin? How about mortal sin? And you stop living a life of scandal. And I was like, uh, I was like, sister, I will try it. Three hours later, I went to confession. Three hours later, I had looked at pornography, committed solitary sin, and I had another grace of true contrition at that moment because I realized at that moment I wasn't sinning because I wanted to. Like it wasn't making me happy. I was an addict and I had been an addict to lust since high school uh, and I couldn't stop. And so when I realized that, that, that first day on Ash Wednesday, I realized that I went into my room. I was crying in my room. I was like, true contrition. I was like, God, I'm sorry. Because I, I had a relationship with Jesus, but I never tried to stop sinning. Then I was like, I can't, I can't stop. I'm sorry. Please have mercy on me. And when I said that, 
I heard an audible in my ear, mocking, horrible, high-pitched, monstrous voice saying exactly what I was saying and mocking me. And I, I was filled with fear. And I don't know why, but out of my mouth came the words, St. John Vianney, pray for me. And the moment that I said that, the voice stopped. The next day, I, it was time for bed. I was very scared of sleeping in my room alone. And so I had picked up a pamphlet on how to pray the rosary from campus ministry. So I'm, I'd never prayed the rosary by myself before. I opened up the pamphlet. I opened the packet. I was like, all right, well, how do you do this? I saw so I was sitting on my bed and I said, I believe. And the moment that I said, I believe, I felt a physical force. I, I want to say choke me or grab me by the throat, but it grabbed me. I felt the force in my throat on my chest, slammed me on the bed, forcing me somehow physically a little bit past like what a normal laying on the bed would look like a strong weight holding me on the bed choking me and i was just freaking out freaking out and so i was trying to scream for help from my mom who was in the other room i was like and nothing was coming out of my mouth and interiorly i heard a voice which i now believe was my guardian angel say pray the hail mary and so i was like and I couldn't say any words. And interiorly, the voice said, say it in your head. And so in my mind, I, I just thought the words in my mind, Hail Mary. And when I thought those words, I could feel a, the grip loosening from my chest. And I was able to, to just squeak them out. I was like, Hail Mary. And the moment that I said Mary, everything stopped everything went back to normal. I had a moment of clarity. I recognized, I tied the two together. I just had an understanding that I had had a demon with me all throughout high school. And that Mary, even though I knew very, very, very little about her, just saying her name, just saying her name was able to release me from a force that had a, a invisible hold on me that I could not resist that was impacting my studies, impacting my work life from uh, infestation of lust, just saying her name stopped a physical attack. Then I, I was freaked out. So I went online. I started Googling. At the time, there was this great website that I came across. I was like, chokehold, demons choking, pornography addiction, all these other various things. And it came up with this website called the St. Padre Pio Center for Deliverance. I've since looked it up. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was an extraordinarily valuable resource for me at that moment. And it was like saying, do, do you have hooks in your life? Do you, you know, do you have things that are intrinsically evil, like pornographic materials? Do you have bad movies, bad music? Do you have all these things? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Do you have new age books in your house? Yeah, my mom had all sorts of new age books. Do you have statues of false gods in your house? My mom had Buddha statues and African little statuettes and all these other... religious music and put holy pictures everywhere in your house. So that night was like one of the greatest blessings of my entire life. The next day, I totally cleaned out my room. I destroyed everything that was superstitious or Eastern or false God and African or Asian that my mom had. I ripped apart her books. I burned CDs. I burned books. I did everything. So 
From then on, I would have EWTN audio library. They had a great audio library at the time. This is like 2005-ish, 2004. They had an extraordinary audio library. So when I was at home and even when I wasn't, I had EWTN audio library playing in my room and in my house because it freaked me out. Like I had never, like demons and all that stuff. I like, I never thought about that. I never, you know, considered that. And so I was like on high alert having holy things playing nonstop. And then I realized I had to stop sinning. And that's when, you know, I just had this intrinsic understanding of the power of the Virgin Mary from that one encounter with just saying the word hail Mary. And I found a good confessor there at the, at the church, at the university chaplain. And he was like, I told him what happened. He's like, if you need to come to confession every single day to break this addiction, come here and I, cause you know, normally priests would, you know, they, I, they, and I would discourage somebody from going to confession daily because it can become part of the cycle of addiction. You just confess and then sin, confess and yeah. sin. But this priest was really working with me. He's like, come here. If, if it takes it every single day, we will work through this. You'll, you know, day by day, put distance between this addiction you have and you will overcome it and just pray as many rosaries as it takes to get you to stop. And so for me, I had no idea of praying, you know, all the mysteries of the rosary or four rosaries or three rosaries. I had no, no history of the rosary was in my brain. I knew nothing about it other than when I prayed, I felt the presence of Mary and my inclination to sin was deadened a little bit. And I felt like there was like a little bit of a buffer um, and the diabolical attacks and extraordinary things that I was experiencing stopped. And so that was a major turning point uh, for me in college. And you, you will meet well, people who knew me. They will say, Gabe was one way, and then Gabe was another way. And it was through, thanks be to God, through Mary, through the devil, foolish creature that he is, uh, overplaying his hand. Um, and Mary was just a true and good mother to me. And that's when our relationship really started. Wow. Incredible. Any any a, insights, questions, game. feedbacks? I'm sorry. I just said. No, if, you, if, you, well, was, what, if you had anything to me, <laughs> no, it was an incredible story. I mean, an absolutely amazing story of, of conversion in our blessed mother's grace in your life. Uh, you know, she is the mediatrix of all grace, right? So uh, many of the saints tell us that any grace that comes to us comes through her hands. So. Um, tremendous power there uh, to work conversion in our lives. And we certainly see that in your story. So, so kind of what happened next? Like, how did your devotion to the Blessed Virgin grow? Because, yes, you know, there's just kind of this powerful start to that relationship. Yes. Um, but as you know, things often happen, sometimes our spiritual zeal waxes and wanes. And Sometimes yes. we get off track or renew renew that devotion. And then, yes. you know, so where did it go from there? Like, was it a lot yes. of intellectual study or was it a lot of like no. prayer and um, devotion or both? Or so, what happened next? So I was at a, a very big turning point in my life where I was in university for math and engineering. And I felt like God was allowing my mathematics and engineering studies to be sabotaged. And I was taking the theology courses at the same time, even though I had no previous 
it was like all required courses for their degree program. And the only grades that I was getting A's in were the theology courses. And so I had no other choice but to take more theology courses simply so that I wouldn't get kicked out of the university. I'd already lost my scholarship. And so I had discerned in prayer. I did not discern properly my vocation. I'll be the first to admit that. But I did like offer my life to God and say, I'll go and I'll do whatever you want me to do. I didn't go on any priestly retreats. I did not go on uh, religious vocational discernment retreats. I should have done that. I didn't know better, but I did my own, like I was in the chapel. I gave my life to Jesus and the blessed sacrament. I said, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And I don't know whether I was right or not, but at the moment I felt like it was God's plan. He said, I want you to become a religion teacher and I want you to share whatever, however, because I knew, I knew deep down in my soul, I was the average story, the, the story of addiction to sin, the story of living for the world. I was the majority of Catholics in the world. And so I had managed to cut mortal sin out of my life. And I felt like the Lord was saying, as a, as a repayment to me, I want you at the very least to spend three years of your life teaching young people, middle school or high school, what you needed to know before you got into sin. Teach. So I was discerning a call to teach sixth through eighth grade religion because I was pretty good sixth through eighth grade. I really fell off the, the, the wagon in high school. So I applied to a bunch of different Catholic schools. I got a wonderful uh, opportunity to work at the nicest Catholic school in the entire diocese, archdiocese. And they were with the wealthiest kids, the most privileged kids. I'd probably say the top 1% in the entire world. But I wasn't an effective teacher. And so I began, I was like, why, why are they not converting and all these things, right? And so I had gone, I don't know how I found this retreat. I had gone on a retreat with a priest who nobody knows and who's, you know, retired since, who had extraordinary gifts of being able to read souls. And his spirituality was one of victimhood. So offering yourself as a sacrifice for the salvation of souls, particularly and especially through daily mass, frequent confession, praying the rosary, and offering everything you do as a sacrifice. So I, I found this random retreat the second year of me teaching, and I went to confession with him, and he wanted everybody to make a general confession. So I confessed every sin I ever committed my entire life. And by the time I was done, I was bawling and in tears and all these things. And so he had, this priest was claimed to have had the ability to read souls, but he didn't have to read my soul because I just poured it out. Mm -hmm. And he said, everything is forgiven. Everything is forgiven, but you must make reparation for the damage that you've done. You've hurt a lot of people. You've led a lot of people astray. For one year, your, your penance is small. It was a small penance because since my last confession, I didn't have any sins. He said, but as an act of reparation, will you please pray the entire rosary every single day for one full year, specifically and only in reparation for all the sins that you've ever committed and that God will bring good out of all of the damaged relationships that you've caused. And then after that, never look back ever again, trust that our lady's bringing good out of everything you ever did. And so that was the beginning of a transformation in me. And when I came back to teach within months, my students became 
saints. Like they were living the lives of saints. They were working miracles in the classroom. They were having radical conversions. I've got stacks of letters like this thick of, of parents and students writing these incredible stories of conversion. But it was because I was beginning to allow the Virgin Mary to teach through me. I would make my lesson plans by praying the rosary because I had to get my rosaries done and I had to do lesson plans. And then all these inspirations for lessons would come. And the conversions were extraordinary, but the pastor and I had different philosophies of where the church should go. My philosophy was frequent confession, reverence for the blessed sacrament, mortal sin is real, hell is real, we need to save as many souls as possible. His philosophy appeared to be uh, a more easygoing view of the church, very much uh, non-confrontational, very much, let me give you a hug, let me pat you on the back. You don't want to talk about sin too much. I want to, we don't need the kids to go to confession more than, you know, once every school year. And my students wanted confession weekly available to them during lunch. And so he and I were having a lot of uh, conflicts and to the, to the point where he said, you're either going to have to change or you're going to have to leave. Like you can't be here any longer. Like this is not working. And I said, I got to go, man. I got to go. But a lot of my students went off to high school and they were reaching out to me and being like, Gabe, Mr. Gabe, they would call me, Mr. Gabe, please. I'm drowning in high school. We need you. Please put videos on YouTube. And so that's kind of when I started doing YouTube, but my videos were just rehashes of audio, like EWTN homilies, and I would just put pictures on them. So like 2007, I got on YouTube, early days of YouTube, just putting pictures with homilies, with sermons. And then once like this, there began like the vlog, like vlog started happening yeah. early days, like the Shaytards, I don't think anybody remembers them, but I'd watch this like vlogger named Shaytards and they would like just vlog their life. And I was like, I'm watching stupidity. Yeah. Like, I'm watching <laughs> stupidity. I can do that. I can, I can do what this guy's doing, like just record stuff. And so I started doing like during Lent one year, I just like, I'm going to go to the blessed sacrament, whatever comes to me in prayer after a holy hour, I will begin to just record a short reflection. Um, and for some reason, the reflections that had to do with the Virgin Mary uploaded and the ones that didn't, didn't get uploaded or the ones that were very much focused on myself and my own personality, they would like record fine, but the, I mean, they would not record. So like anything that was like vlogging or Gabriel's life or anything that had to do with me, divine providence, and I think really the hand of Mary, didn't let it upload or didn't let it record. So after 30 minutes or a day, I'd be like, oh, that was great. I love that cult of personality. And then she'd be like, nope, that, 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 that's not what we need. We don't need that. We don't need you. The world doesn't need you. The world needs me. And so she and I began to have this relationship of okay, what do you want then, Blessed Mother? Um, and so that was that was really transformative. Yeah, I'd say that's incredible. And I just, uh, I love hearing that. And I know that you and I both love Our Lady and we love talking about Our Lady, but I want to start there. I want to go now and talking about devotion to Our Lady because both of us yes. agree, as St. Louis de Montfort stated, that it's a smooth, short, perfect and sure way to attain yes. union with our Lord. 
in which Christian perfection consists. And I know you speak very beautifully on that. So I want to start, like, why should all of us men not only be devoted to Our Lady, but actually practicing those devotions every single day? And where do we start? And I know you do such a great job talking about that. A hundred percent. So the, the thing that we have to remember, so the devil doesn't want you to love the Virgin Mary, period, exclamation point. He doesn't want Mary in your life. But if she's going to be in your life, the devil just wants her to be kind of like in a little compartment on the side where you kind of entrust it. Mother, help me with this problem. He doesn't want you to give your life to her. Why? Because giving your life to Mary makes you like Jesus Christ. Mm. So a lot of times in the church, especially, we view things as I'm in mortal sin. I'm not in mortal sin. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to heaven. Want my family to go to heaven. Although that's important. It's very important. That's not why Christ came here. Christ didn't come to make us like to just to give us a door to a better life. Christ came to make us like Christ. Christ's solution to the problems of the world wasn't to make me more Christian. It was to make me into him. So that when I receive the sacraments, it is him that begins to live in me. When I begin to do his will and surrender my will to his will, it is his hand that does the work. When I see a person crossing the street, an old lady who needs my help, and Christ puts in my conscience, go help her. It is no longer Gabriel who helps her. It is the hand of Christ who holds that woman. And now grace can flow into the world because now I am an empty vessel. I am a faucet for the life of God to flow through me. And so Marian devotion, first and foremost, is Christocentric. So by me, giving my life to the Virgin Mary, saying, Mary, you're my mother. Mary, I want what you want. I surrender everything to you. The more I surrender to Mary, the more I love Mary, the more I become like Christ. So when the devil says, don't love her too much, eat it, devil, because the more I love her, the more I become like Christ. I can't out love Christ and his love for the Virgin Mary and he's love incarnate. And so the more I pour into her, the more I surrender to her, the more I become like Jesus. And God wills, 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 wills that we have Mary as our mother, but it goes beyond just saying, Mary, help me. It, true and authentic Marian devotion happens when I stop and I say, Mary, what do you want? What would you like me to do? That is when I begin to be a good son. When I ask my mother, what should I do? How should I do it? How high do you want me to jump? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? And Maximilian Colby has a great quote. He says, union with the Immaculata. Here is the secret which guarantees, guarantees success. Our Lord has chosen that Mary be the sweetest, fastest, most efficacious path to success, to union with Jesus Christ. Our Lord calls us to be victorious, to knock down the gates of hell, to spread the light of Christ. And Mary always succeeds. When we're united to her will, she never fails. Never was it known that anybody who called upon her name was ever left unaided. When it comes to defeating Satan, if you do it with Mary, you will succeed. When it comes to spreading the gospel, if you do it with Mary, you will succeed, but you have to pause. This was something that Maximilian Colby was huge about. He's the one who said guaranteed success. Why? Because our Lord wants to give gifts to the most faithful daughter that he has. And we who consecrate ourselves to her, we are like, we're still serving Christ, but we're like under the special forces. We are like the Marines of the army of Christ who never fail, 
The devil can't touch the children of Mary. If we stay close to her, if we cling to her, if we allow her to work through us. And the perfect example of that is Maximilian Kolbe. He had nothing and he founded a city to the Immaculate that had 700 vocations. 700 men said, mm. I, wanna, I want this life. They, that To me, that's success. When you have buildings that are shutting down, closing the gates, and Maximilian has 700, when Maximilian travels to the Orient, doesn't even speak the language, in one month he's got publications, printing, in the city of the Immaculate, he had people, men would work during the day, and then they'd go to sleep, and the men would wake up who slept during the day and work all night long, nonstop work, 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 work. To me, that's success. And even though, and again, this is, this is the one area where we have to remember about failure and success. With Mary, the success looks like the cross. Mary's true desire is that every one of her sons look like Jesus Christ on the cross. And we see that perfectly lived out in the life of Maximilian Kolbe. He became another Christ, but on top of that, had he not done what he did, the message of the Immaculata as we know it today would not have been spread to the ends of the world. His going to the cross, his putting out his arm was Mary's will. Maximilian Kolbe says, if, some, if you've consecrated yourself to Mary and you really mean it, everything that happens that is out of your control is the sure will of the Immaculata. So when the Nazis were knocking on the door, Maximilian Kolbe didn't say, oh, the devil's ruining Mary's plans. He said, Mary's plans are being done. Yes, Mary. When the Nazis took him to Auschwitz and were beating him. Yes, Mary. When the Nazis were going to pick out 10 men and he replaced one. He didn't see that as, oh, no. He said, yes, Mary. As one by one, each man is dying in that starvation bunker. He says, yes, Mary. He, so this is what we have to grasp. The devil was running that camp. The devil was working through all of those men, but, all, but even those demons yielded to the will of the Immaculata and they couldn't touch Maximilian Kolbe. And now everybody knows the name of Maximilian Kolbe and he's spreading Mary long after he's been dead because he said yes. And each one of us, maybe nobody listening to this will become an evangelist and you don't need to be. You don't need to be. You just need to be exactly who God created you to be with in and through Mary, because Mary will turn you into Christ. And what is Christ? Grace upon grace. St. Teresa of Avila says that if you simply become as holy, at what is holiness? Union with God. If you simply unite your life to God the way he has intended, which means holiness, which also means authentic and true happiness, which means authentic and true manhood. If you do that, the grace alone that you receive from prayer, the grace alone from conforming your will to the will of God, every action that you do will pro provide so much grace that you will go to heaven, not only become a great saint, but you will bring a thousand souls minimum. And so we have to grasp that we're being fought by the devil all the time. When I came out of my addictions to pornography, etc., the devil didn't quit. He just knew he's not going to get me through sex. How is he going to get me? Quiet mediocrity. Don't pray. Give up. Quit in little baby ways. But when we say, I'm going to pray, I'm going to even, I don't care if this rosary is as dry as sand, it's like chewing on glass. When I say, Mary, I surrender my life to you. This is what you want of me. And I'll tell you how to discern that in a moment. The devil is fighting me 
like if 1,000 souls are on the line, I might just see it as my morning prayer, my evening prayer. The devil sees it as if he prays, if he does God's will, I lose 1,000 souls. So we have to arm ourselves. But again, when you're with Mary, she crushes the head of the serpent. She puts her mantle of protection around you. Demons don't touch you. They don't. Unless, in the case of Maximilian Colby, it is to glorify God. And it's and, and if it happens and you see the hand of the devil and you're marrying and you're totally consecrated, you've given your life to her. I give you my word. It is the will of the Immaculata. And she's only allowing that just so that he, the devil can be more humiliated and so that God's glory may be more widely known and loved. So you, the key to Marian lifestyle, it's, it's twofold. One, in the first step to all prayer that we leave out, the first step to all prayer is recollection. I get to my rosary, I say the Apostles' Creed, and I start saying how Mary's. I say the first mystery is the Annunciation. And this whole time, I'm just going through a routine when the first step must be a firm one, asking of the Holy Spirit to assist me in prayer, because that's our, our active humility, acknowledging I can't do this. Two, making a strong act of faith in the presence of the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary is present to you because according to Alphonse Saguari, her maternity to you is so intimately and intrinsically tied up to her status as mother of God. So as a mother, she's got to be perfect. Her heart is inflamed out of love for me and you personally, individually. She looks at us as if we're her only child. She looks at us with the love that she had for Jesus Christ because we cost her the greatest agony to bring us to life. So she never takes her eyes off of us. To, to say that she's this close to me is an understatement. She's the mediatrix of all grace. At every moment of my life, God is giving me actual grace that is given to me specifically by Mary in the present moment for my specific instance. That means not only is she physically aware of me, what's happening, she's intimately aware of what's going on in my soul, every fear, every temptation, every blood vessel, every hair on my head, every lack of beard that I have. She knows everything that's going on in my body. She's intimately very close. So when I just make an act of the will, Mary, I believe you're here and try to muster up some mental picture. The devil has done another good job in ruining our prayer lives because he will say, you're not good at imagining. Your imagination is weak. Teresa of Avila, doctor of, the, doctor of prayer, says the, the internal forum that I have is twofold. My internal faculties. We all know my external. I can see, I can hear, I can touch, I can taste. Those are important. But God communicates primarily through my internal faculties. That's my intellect, my imagination, my reason, and my will. I have to give my will fuel. So I can't love Mary. I can't do Mary's will. I can't think Mary's beautiful. I can't see how tender she is unless in my internal faculties, I have looked at her face. I've walked with her through the gospels. I've spent time with her. The devil will say, you're not good at imagining. Stop, stop that, stop that. That's not for you. You're a man. You're doing make-believe. But if you think about it, the devil rules our life because of what he does to our internal faculties. When I was addicted to pornography, he was using my imagination and playing pictures of naked women all the time. And then he's going to turn around and say, no, 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 no. Don't think of Mary in your imagination. That's make-believe. Although I can commit solitary sin with a make-believe image of a woman in my head. Or he's 
twisting my imagination about some catastrophe that's going to happen in the future or something that happened to me as a child. And he's pulling up my internal monologue in my head. So in the name of Jesus, be silent because I'm going to imagine the presence of the Virgin Mary. Does it matter what she looks like? No, it doesn't. But she needs some real sense in my mind. It's very important for the human up to encounter God that we form an image in our mind. Some people will say, well, that's that's not true. That's only one spirituality. St. Bruno versus St. Ignatius. That's St. Teresa did not, doctor of prayer, did not consider it an option to use my mind to imagine the Gospels. St. Francis de Sales, doctor of the Universal Church, did not consider it optional. He said the primary method of prayer needs to be visualizing the Gospels as if they're happening in front of my face. St. Alphonsus de Liguori, doctor of, moral doctor of moral theology, did not say these things were optional. He says it is morally impossible without this type of mental prayer, imagining the presence of Mary, imagining the presence of Jesus, visiting them in the Gospels. It's morally impossible to not sin. Teresa of Avila says, if you don't do this type of mental prayer, you don't even need demons because you're casting yourself into hell. And so what we need to do, the first step of Marian devotion is just developing a habit, maybe once in the morning, once at lunch, once in the evening, just recollect yourself. Holy Spirit, help me. You love Mary more than I do. Help me to become aware of her goodness. Help me to have a sense that she's present. St. Francis de Sales encouraged people to carry a picture of the Virgin Mary with them as a little reminder, just as the devil can use ugly pictures to tempt us. The Holy Spirit can spur us on to have great love and affection for Our Lady with holy images. But then the second most critical thing, if you want to begin to allow the Virgin Mary to live through you, is to pause, to say, Mother, what do you want from me? Like, so... She convicted me one time because I was doing my mental prayer and she says, you don't love me. And I said, what do you mean, mother? I love you. She's like, everything that you say is mine. Your YouTube channel, your face, your health, whatever little wealth you have, your family, your job. You gave it to me, but you don't really believe that it's mine. Like you just entrusted it to me, but you don't ask me. What should I do on YouTube? You don't ask me, how do you want me to do my, your hair? You don't ask me, what food should I eat? You don't ask me, how should you go home and love your family? You don't ask me what I should do at work. So you say you give it to me, but really it's all about you and you just make up a little story that you tell yourself to make you feel better about it. So authentic Marian devotion doesn't happen when I just say, Mary, I give you my family. No, authentic Marian devotion happens when I give her the one thing that makes me me, and that's my will. When I say, Mary, what is your will? I surrender my life, whatever I have, which is not much. I surrender to you my will. What videos do you want me to make? I surrender to you my will. What shirts do you want me to buy? I surrender to you my will. What diet do you want me to have? This is your body. How do you want me to take yeah. care of it? These are your teeth. How do you want me to brush them? This is your family. What kind of car should I get to drive them around? And when we begin to do that, that's when we begin to enter into that power that I mentioned earlier, the power of being in union with the will of God in the sweetest, most efficacious means possible, the power of the grace that happens. When I stop and say, Mary, like, so I, I can do, like, I'll, I'll, and I'll use the apostles as an example. Peter, James, Andrew, and John were fishing all night long. All night long, they were fishing, caught nothing. When they paused and the Lord Jesus said, let down your nets. Nothing changed. 30 seconds ago, they just let the nets down. 
one thing changed. They were doing God's will. And when they did God's will, the catch was extraordinary. And our Lord says, now you're not going to catch fish. You're going to be catching souls. Because when you do things in union with the will of God, which is also the will of Mary, grace flows. And souls are not saved by apologetics. Souls are not saved by YouTube videos. God saves souls through grace. I could watch YouTube videos and read books all day long. But if there's no grace, no conversion. And so when we act in the name of Mary, victory and success will always be around us because that's what God wants. God wants souls. So if you're measuring success by souls, you're going to win. So Amen. that's it. Mary's present. Do Mary as well. That's, that's it. You win. That's the formula for success. Love it. Love it. Amen. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I certainly attest to that. I mean, Catholic gentleman came directly from Marian devotion uh, yep. It was a direct, you know, I believe an inspiration from our blessed mother and, you know, things start to happen, crazy things. You're like, you buckle up because your life is going to change in one way or another. Um, and uh, it's, the one thing it was sure though, is it, you won't stay the same. No. Um, and so our, our blessed mother does, has tremendous power, you know, and, and, and St. Maximilian Colby says that when you surrender to her will, like you're talking about, you become powerful beyond limits, he says, which I love that. I love the holy audacity of that, because basically he's saying when you surrender to the Blessed Virgin, like you, you have God's power at your disposal. Um, and, and to have that holy audacity to aim high and like St. Maximilian to say, like, I'm going to be the greatest, like mediocrity is not for me. I'm going to be the greatest saint that ever lived, you know, like just that, yes. that boldness, yes. that holy boldness that uh is is just beautiful i think and and it's not arrogance it's it's the opposite no. of that because it's it can only work with humility so um you know this is absolutely everything you're saying is calling us to a heart-led relationship with yes. the blessed mother yes so let's say there's a guy listening to this podcast right now and he says wow you know i've never even considered loving the blessed mother i've never consider loving the Virgin Mary, like, and I want to, but, you know, you get online, you start searching for things and it's just like overwhelming. It's like a fire hose. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on just what, what, where should someone start? What books, like what yes. devotions, like, um, what things have made a difference in your life that you would love to recommend to someone who's listening to this podcast? Yes. So absolutely. Wonderful and beautiful question because we got to start somewhere. And where my devotion started was actually wearing the brown scapular. Our lady's so sweet and so attractive that if you can just get a little bitty marrying devotion just started, her attractiveness, like the more time you spend with her, the more in love you fall with her. There's a great author named Father Emile Newbert, who is the favorite yeah. author of Maximilian <clears throat> Colby. And Emil Bear says, nothing inspires confidence like winning. And when you begin to give your life to the Virgin Mary, maybe starting with the brown scapular, maybe starting with the miraculous medal, with some external sign, uh, an external prayer, as you will, when you begin to do that, uh, her, lo her love just begins to spread throughout the body. And it just is very attractive. Now, I can't deny that the rosary is mary's favorite devotion and she created it to be a perfect devotion and so if 
you're not praying the rosary, I would challenge you to begin praying at least one rosary a day. I mentioned St. Alphonsus earlier. He's a doctor of moral theology. And he would say, it's not a sin not to pray the rosary. I don't know what kind of things you're going to get into if you don't have the protection of the mother of God through the rosary. And he prayed the entire rosary every day, all of the mysteries. And he would say, I would fear for my eternal salvation if I didn't pray at least one rosary a day. I, I encourage people to try to pray multiple because when Our Lady first gave the rosary, it was intended to be broken up throughout the day, kind of like the liturgy of the hours. But start with one. And if you pray multiple, at the very least, give Mary one really good one where you pray it with her intention. So I've recently discovered that one of the things that's lacking in the church is a, a devotional type of prayer called mental prayer. And in my research of studying mental prayer and its great necessity for an authentic spirituality, I have found that the medieval church would interchangeably use the words mental prayer and meditation, interchangeably. And so my understanding of meditation is not the medieval understanding of meditation when all of these great saints were writing. So when people say you pray the rosary and you meditate upon the mysteries of the rosary, what that used to look like for me, and it was still bearing fruit in my life because of all the Hail Marys, because of just calling upon Mary. For me, that used to look like the Annunciation. Got it. The angel Gabriel announced to Mary, okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, just going through it. But when Mary says, meditate upon the mysteries of the rosary, when the saints say, meditate upon the mysteries of the rosary, that means first, that extraordinary act of faith in the presence of Mary, step one recollection. Step two, when you're praying your rosary and you're coming to the third glorious mystery, for example, the descent of the Holy Spirit, I don't just say the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. If I'm going to pray it according to the method of St. Teresa of Avila, who prayed the full rosary, St. Alphonsus of Guari, St. Francis of Sales, St. Ignatius of Loyola, they would say, you want maximum fruit, you want maximum grace, you do it this way. So the first part, recollection that God is present, that Mary's present. Always come back to that because you're going to get distractions. The devil doesn't want you to pray well. So always coming back to that kind of gives him the elbow to the side. Then you consider. So Francis de Sales says, imagine as if it's happening right in front of you. So the third glorious mystery, the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Imagine a black room. All the apostles are kneeling down praying. The Virgin Mary's kneeling down there praying. It's silent. Nothing's happening. All of a sudden, lights begin to come down from the ceiling. The room begins to glow. A light fire goes into the chest of the Virgin Mary. She's illuminated. She's great. You hear all this noise. So... I've kind of considered it just for like 45 seconds. Let your imagination run wild. Don't control it. Because although it's your imagination, God's grace, because you've consecrated this time to prayer, God's grace will begin to work in that. So the first part, consider it. The second part, relate to it and ask for favors. All the saints, especially Alphonsus says, you want to be good, you want conversion, that only happens through grace. Grace is only received through petition. Don't feel guilty. Bug. Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I beg of you for the conversion of my son. May the Holy Spirit come upon him just like it came upon the apostles out of nowhere. Enlighten his mind. Strengthen his will. So I consider it. I relate to it. I petition. And then this is the key. This is what we do not do. We have to do this. You pause and you close your mouth and you let God speak to you. 
So whatever you petitioned about, whether that's conversion, whether that's purity, whether that's the grace of perseverance, you say, okay, blessed mother, what do you got? You got anything for me? You look at her there in that moment. And sometimes if you just give her a second, she's not going to talk to you here, but she will talk to you in the understanding. And all of a sudden you'll kind of have an understanding of what your move should be. So this doesn't take more than one or two minutes, but if you're really going to pray the rosary with the intention of an encounter with Christ and Mary, the goal is like, I, what's the point of praying the rosary? I'm just saying words and thinking about stuff. But if I'm going to pray the rosary and I'm going to talk to God about what I care about, and he's going to talk back to me now, give me that rosary. I need, I need to talk to the Lord. I got a problem. I'm going to encounter him in this mystery. He's going to communicate to me. And I'm going to let him talk. I'm going to take take a hand off the wheel and just see what he says. That becomes powerful. And then you just drop it and you do your Hail Marys. It takes a little bit longer. You're not going to fly through it. But at least once a day, your rosary should be an encounter with the Virgin Mary, walking with Mary through the life of Christ and not simply saying the mystery. There will be times of dryness and aridity. But most of the time, when we take that first step seriously of asking St. Michael to protect you from distraction, asking the Virgin Mary to give you a visual sense of her presence, asking Jesus to have a visual sense of his presence, kind of listening to him with that internal uh, voice that he has in your conscience, your rosaries will never be the same again. And it will be an, an opportunity for you to hear the voice of God. And St. Teresa says, even if you do that and it's dry as a bone, the grace that you'll receive, one, is going to be more extraordinary, but two, God resists nobody who perseveres. There is going to be aridity. There is going to be times where God is silent. But if you persevere, when that aridity is over, once you've proven yourself in love, I give you my word, the Holy Spirit's going to open your mind and open your heart in ways you could have never imagined. Yeah, absolutely. Gabe, time flies when we are talking. It is yes. just so yes. exciting. I'm just so blessed. So I want to make sure, though, that uh, our listeners have an opportunity to know where they can find more of you. I mean, yes. uh, I already told you they can jump into Catholic Gentleman Plus to get an hour there, but you've got so yes. much more. And I know you're working on yes. uh, a documentary. Uh, so I'd love for you to talk about these ways that that our listeners can support you and can uh, know where to follow you. Yes. So I think you might have mentioned at the beginning of this one, I am a Catholic videographer uh, to support my finances because I, I am working full time as a youth minister at a church, which makes less than a Catholic school teacher, just in case you're wondering. Yep. Uh, I taught myself how to film via YouTube. Everything I know about videography, I learned via YouTube. And so I was doing side projects to help pay the bills in videography. And then I would use those talents and skills to sometimes make high quality productions. And one day, maybe a couple years ago, I was filming a owner of a restaurant and we were filming outside and I had lights and I had a guy there holding the light to keep, you know, the shade to keep the sun off of his face. And in the middle of that, our lady spoke to me and she said, in my conscience, I didn't hear voices. She said, look what you're willing to do for money. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you got a guy here helping you. You've got lights set up. You've got mics everywhere. You're, you're really putting on quite the production for the dollar. Why aren't you willing to do that for me? And I said, damn, I felt the sword that pierced her heart go through mine. And so I said, what do you want me to do? She's like, you need to stop. Stop this because you're wasting all your time making money. You're not serving me. Don't you believe that I can take care of you? This was a specific call I had on my heart. Yeah. And so she said, you make videos for me, I'll take care of you. 
I said, all right, what do you want? And so she began to inspire in me the desire to, in Maximilian Colby's methodology, give the greatest you have for the sake of the Immaculata, to try to save as many souls as soon as possible, as soon as possible, as soon as possible, and don't spare any expense within reason, you know, because there, there becomes a point of diminishing returns when you start spending money on stuff. So I have dedicated myself to making the highest quality productions at the service of Mary. So I'll go to the Blessed Sacrament. Blessed Mother, what do you want? I want a documentary on the life of Maria Goretti. Okay, how do you want that done? You need to send somebody to Italy to film. Okay, but I don't have any money. Okay, don't worry. And then all these things Our Lady just provides. So on God the After Hours, the YouTube channel that I run, I run it, but God willing, I'm really trying to let go and let the Virgin Mary do what she wants. So we have not just myself speaking, but experts in the field on various topics. So we have a documentary coming out on St. Maximilian Kolbe. I flew to Poland. I filmed in Auschwitz. They let me into Maximilian Kolbe's cell. I filmed at the Friary of the Immaculate, uh, the City of the Immaculate. I came back. I found the most Maximilian Kolbe guy that I knew. Father Elias Mills looks like Maximilian Kolbe. He's a Franciscan of the Immaculate. He dedicated his life to the Marian lifestyle of Kolbe. Got him in the documentary. So we're trying to, on our channel, to provide the highest, best quality productions and balance, of course, because you got to put content out, balance out with, okay, we got to yeah. get things out at least once a month. Come on. Um, so we have live shows. We have live streams. So that's what we're doing. And we're going to be releasing the documentary on Maximilian Colby, his life, the way I want it told. Because I've watched a lot of Maximilian Colby documentaries. And uh, they fall short in the Mariology department. Like they really hit home his, you know, death at Auschwitz. But it's like, yeah, but you missed his heart, man. You missed his heart. Mm. Like you said he loved Mary, but you didn't uncover how, why, when, how I can do the same. So this really is a documentary for those who like are true Colby lovers. You love his Mariology like you gentlemen do. Uh, you're going to love this documentary. So oh, that comes out so in a week exciting. or two. So subscribe there if you can. Ooh, praise be to God. We are going to put all of that in the show notes. So if you were wondering, you didn't catch all that, just look down in the show notes and you'll be able to click on it and head right over to his YouTube channel, right over to his site, right over to anything else that uh, that he mentioned. We'll be sure to include that in, in the show notes. Can uh, I give so, you one more piece of advice as a goodbye do. for any man who still feels like, I can't pray the rosary, I can't do that. At the end of the day, Mary's a mother who loves you. And if, if all you can say is, Mary... Help me. That's all it takes. One, Mary, please help me. I'm struggling. That I was being choked by a demon. I was addicted to pornography. And it all changed when I said, Hail Mary. Just saying her name with love and devotion. Never was it known that anybody who called upon her name was ever left unaided. Amen. I agree. That's such a such a beautiful ending so uh thank you gabe so much for your passion for your love of our lady and for sharing that with us thank you gentlemen keep it up thanks as we end each of our episodes be a man be a saint <laughs>